TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. It's post-game show. Massey not stopping in second and slides into third with a two-run triple. Here's Josh Bernier. Yeah, here I am. I hope you're there. 5-4 the final score. Royals lose. Royals are swept at home for the second time in as many weeks. Man, I enjoyed this game. But you're not going to know that from listening to this show. You know, a lot like last night where you're, you're sitting there watching the game, listening to the game. If you're at the ballpark, enjoying the game, I would imagine, even though, yes, a uh, frigid afternoon at Kauffman Stadium. But I'm sitting there in the seventh inning, and all of a sudden you go, holy crap, the doesn't feel like this, but the Royals are just one swing away from tying this thing up. Right, same thing happened to us last night. At least it happened to me. Royals are down uh, 5-2 last night in the sixth inning. Have a chance to tie it up. Ultimately fall short and lose by six runs. But at no point, really, this entire series did it feel as if you were one swing away from tying it, from winning it. But you were, and Vinny did just that. He tied it up. A two-run bomb in the seventh inning. And the boys in blue are back from the dead, hoping to salvage a game in this three-game series. But no. Tie game in the ninth inning. Scott Barlow, uh, get me over fastball to Ozzie Albies. Albies does not miss it. Belts it to the center field wall. And then Vaughn Grissom comes through on a 2-0 slider. Center cut. He doesn't miss it. Now, he was late on it. Shot it up that first base foul line for what turns out to be the game-winning run. The phone lines are open for you. 913-586-7610. That's 913-586-7610. Yeah, you know what? Let's just get to the calls because I don't want to scream this early into the show. We could get rid of the music. I'm already frustrated with this game. Thank you. And the reason why I'm frustrated, see, I want to get to the calls. I don't want to, don't want to scream. Royals gave the game away, right? We all acknowledge the Royals gave this one away. 
I appreciate Matt Cotrero sticking up for Edward Olivares and disagreeing with my assertion that he's having a rough go defensively. Didn't want to get into a discussion of semantics with the manager. But it's more than just that oddball play earlier in the series that Ali didn't handle properly in left field. It's more than just whatever that was in the third inning. He doesn't get to, catch, nor stop a line drive. And not a hard hit line drive, 90 mile per hour off of the bat. It's mental. It's preparation. Come on. I mean, the guy multiple times gave away 90 feet in San Francisco, had a horse bleep, horse bleep effort against the Minnesota Twins while playing in left field. Now, he's having a rough go defensively, and he lost the game today. I'm sorry. I know Barlow takes the loss. I know four runs were charged to Zach Greinke. What's that about? Greinke pitched his tail off today. Deserves so much better. Four earned runs in six innings? Yeah, right. Going up against, arguably, the best offense in Major League Baseball, Zach Greinke held him to two runs over six innings. Punched out six? Doesn't even come close to factoring in the decision. Granky pitched his tail off. Vinny Pasquantino comes up clutch. Franmil Reyes had a nice afternoon, not just offensively, with his second multi-hit game in his past three starts, but Franmil Reyes. Now, I was nervous watching him in left field in these windy conditions, but the young man made the plays. More than I could say about Edward Olivares. I hate blaming one guy for a loss, but how can you not? You're taking on a Braves team that's now 12 and 4, second best record in Major League Baseball. You think you could just give away runs, boot the ball left and right? Royals are 4 and 12. That's the second worst record in Major League Baseball. And if the A's win, Royals will have the worst record in the sport. Phone lines are open for you, 913-586-7610. That's 913-586-7610. Roldis Chapman looked awesome again. I want to mention that. Josh Taylor, uh, nice debut, nice Royals debut. Um, But I just can't get past the fact that you gave the game away. That you booted the game away. That you let the game go right through the wickets and all the way back to the right field wall. And the reason why I'm so frustrated is because tomorrow's Monday. Tomorrow's the beginning of the work week and you know what the narratives are going to be surrounding this team. It's just going to be so very difficult to get any positive vibes back. I guess if you come out tomorrow and beat Jacob deGrom, it could flip everything, but boy. Hard to foresee that happening. All right, let's go to the phone lines. 913-586-7610. That's 913-586-7610. Let's go to uh, Brandon. You're hitting leadoff. Brandon, you're on 610 Sports Radio. Go ahead. 
Brandon, we got you. I hear somebody. I don't know who's 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 on the air right now. I'm trying to talk to Brandon. Is it JJ? Who do we got? John, hello. Okay, Double J is calling oh, us. Oh, hey. Hey, sorry go ahead. What do you got? Uh, sorry about that. Hey, uh, I was at the game today. Uh, great crowd, great atmosphere. Uh, man, I tell you what, I thought we were going to win it when Vinny uh, hit that home run to tie the game up. Uh, that was awesome. Uh uh, unfortunately, uh, we couldn't pull out today. Uh, uh, like you said, Glinky uh, pitched his butt off today. Uh, and, uh, yeah, o- Ole Wallace, that was frustrating, that ball he missed in the third inning. And uh, uh, two questions for you, and I'll listen at- off air after. Uh, first question, uh, is there any concern for Baller? And second question, how are we this bad? And uh, that's all. Appreciate it, and uh, keep our, try to keep our heads up, Orioles fans. Appreciate it, Vaughn. Uh, thanks for the phone call, Double J. Always nice to hear from you. Uh, any concern with Scott Barlow? No, I don't have any. I understand he's suffered a pair of losses in his uh, two of his last three outings. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, t- took the loss in texas that extra inning affair and then yeah uh, this afternoon no i'm not concerned with scott barlow uh, i've just watched him too long now eventually the the run comes to an end so i'm not saying oh you never need to worry about scott barlow yeah th- this could be the beginning of the end sure maybe i'm not there yet but i can't rule it out the end comes for every big leaguer Not the end of his career, but the end of this run that Barlow's been on for the past three-plus seasons where it is, without question, he's the best reliever. He's the guy you want on the hill when the leverage is at its highest. It's something to monitor, but no, I'm certainly not going to panic right now with Scott Barlow, and the main reason why is because I know he's not panicking. So long as he's healthy, Scott Barlow is one of the best that I've seen at flushing it moving on yeah did not perform the way that I wanted to yeah that was a middle middle fastball to Ozzie Albies with one out for that double in the ninth and yeah can't fall behind Vaughn Grissom and if you do fall behind 2-0 you can't throw a center cut slider that he's able to sneak inside the first base bag for what turns out to be the game-winning RBI single And then your second question, how are we this bad? Well, I'll go back to my theme for the season. My analogy, um, my storyline for the season, call it whatever you will. Um, But I've deemed 2023 as the campfire, right? And to me, when you first arrive at a campfire it seems hey who doesn't have a good time you're with friends you're outside you 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 see the structure that's eventually going to turn into this campfire looks like it's properly built looks like it's going to burn for months looks like we're going to have a pretty good time but if that fire never gets going nobody's going to stay at the campfire because then you're just outside and cold bored, not being entertained, 
So how do they start the fire? How do they get this bad boy blazing? Well, you bring in some men and women that that know how to start a campfire. The new coaching staff, right? Okay, because we all have that friend. Right? You're at the grill, at a campfire, at a bonfire, and they got to be in charge. Oh, this is the guy. This is the guy. You want a fire? This is the guy to get it started. Now, we're all hoping that's Matt Cotrero and Brian Sweeney and Zach Bove and the rest, right? But you got to keep the fire going. And the only way to keep the fire going is by surrounding the embers with kindling and finding a spark. So my question was, coming into the season, I believe the embers of Salvi, of Singer, of Pasquantino and MJ Melendez and and Bobby Witt Jr., they're still burning. You brought in these MacGyver-like coaches to help stoke this fire, to get this bad boy going, but if you didn't surround those embers with enough kindling, if you don't surround Bobby, MJ, Vinny, Salvi, Singer with enough talent, this fire is never going to get started. Because where's the spark going to come from? And even if you get that spark, is it going to be a sustained blaze here at Kauffman Stadium? So to answer your question, right now, it's talent. Right now, it boils down to the kindling. And like we talked about on yesterday's postgame show, this Atlanta Braves team has MVP candidates in the top three spots in their lineup, All-Stars or NLCS MVPs in the top six in their lineup, and they have ball players that are right smack dab in the middle of their prime, at their peak, finished products, Acuna, Olsen, Riley, Murphy, Albies, finished products in their prime. And you look at the Royals, how many of them are in their prime? Salvi maybe is at the final year of his prime. Singer maybe at the beginning of his. Keller, Nicky Lopez, okay. But as far as carrier ships, guys that can lead you to the postseason, stars, Acuna, Olsen, Riley, Murphy, Albies. Royals don't have players of that ilk in their prime. Bobby, MJ, Vinny may turn into those superstar type of players, but they're not there yet, and they're certainly not in their prime. So I'm not saying that this team is without talent. It's just not enough talent that is at its peak, and it's not, in my opinion, surrounded by enough kindling right now, right? You're you're not getting what this team needs from Michael Massey. Uh, we're not getting enough from Edward Olivares. I'm not getting enough from MJ Melendez. And just look up and down this lineup. You know, Edward Olivares is hitting fifth. Followed by Kyle Isbell, Franmio Reyes, Matt Duffy, and Nicky Lopez. That doesn't scream championship lineup. Not to knock any of those big league ball players. But that lineup that you threw out there today does not instill fear 
really in any opposing pitcher. Okay, Bobby, MJ, Vinny, Salvi, yeah, I'm not trying to make a mistake to them, but if you can get through that one through four, I hate to say it's easy stepping after that, but it gets a little bit more comfortable if you're any of these Braves hurlers. Thanks for the phone call, Double J. Always nice hearing from you. 913-586-7610 is our phone number. That's 913-586-7610. Let's go to Brandon. You're next up on the postgame show as the Royals lose 5-4. Hey, Josh. Uh, Yeah, really, this is this uh, start here. It's really getting close to the point where it's like, okay, when's when's going to be your point where nice, mellow, Matt Quattaro kind of just um, metaphorically flips the table at some point? It's like the... Because, you know, it's has to wear on anyone. It's like, cause, I mean, really, this whole, like, start of things, this, there is, like, this uh, weird kind of losing culture that, you know, is from the last five years is still around. It's like if, uh, you know, you get uh, you hear about, I don't know, what, how, how these tough teams were playing, all this sort of stuff. It's like, that's still, uh, man, still, if you lose uh, one for. If you win one of three, that's 54. If you lose one of three, that's also 54. I don't know if the Braves are going to win 120 games this year, but, but man, they're sure they're a good team. But you also would hope that uh, you get something for today. And also, because really, when everything like changes forward, I'm, I'm not sure like that like Sydney down Michael Massey. I don't think it's going to like dramatically change things, man. I don't. I think Hunter Dozier probably is going to dramatically change things. You just kind of have to get one thing and build on it and build on it and, you know, hope that at some point you can, you know, make a run, I don't know, 70 wins or something this year because uh, this is a this is a rough start. This is just uh, a rough start. And at some point, point out, it would be great if we heard less excuses and had more winning, you know. Just uh, it would be great to – and see, okay, who's going to be the guys that are going to, gonna, you know, actually be in relevant baseball games, and who are going to be the guys that we're going to wind up trading for some guy who's going to spend his summer in Springdale, Arkansas. So, well, that's what this season's about. You. You, know, you know it, Brandon. Appreciate the phone call. That's what this season's about. It's an evaluation season. Um, yeah, thanks. Opens up a phone line for you, 913-586-7610. I mean that that's gotta. Well, I don't know about you, but you know, I'm still yet to embrace the evaluation season of 2023. I don't think I'll ever embrace an evaluation season at this level. Now I understand it. If I'm JJ Piccolo, I'm doing the exact same thing. I don't know if I have much of a choice if I'm JJ Piccolo, looking at the type of off-season acquisitions the team made didn't look as if it's the widest of checkbooks that he was allowed to play with. And I understand if there are some of you out there that 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 hear me acknowledge or I mean even earlier today was Ryan Lefevre was talking with JJ Piccolo on 610 Sports Radio they Talked about the evaluation season, Isbell in center, and Bobby at short, and finding the next Brady Singer in this rotation. I can understand some of you going, wait, what? We haven't won a darn thing since, let's say, 2017. 
I had two games below 500. That was an entertaining season. Haven't had an entertaining season since 2017, which is now more than five seasons ago. Why are you now just evaluating, right? I understand that that response from some Royals fans of, well, what the hell have you been doing for the past five years that now you go, you know what we should do is evaluate our players. I understand that response. But it is a new regime. It is, in my opinion, a completely different organization. I know a lot of the same names remain, but the evaluation that was taking place in 18, 19, 20, 21 is quite different than what's going on here in 2023. Not saying you need to accept it. Certainly not telling you to embrace it. Just letting you know what's going on. Phone lines are open for you. 913-586-7610. Royals are swept at home again, this time by the Atlanta Braves. 5-4, the final score. Let's go back to the calls. 913-586-7610. Let's go to Kevin. You're next up on the postgame show. Go ahead. All right. Kevin is no longer there, which opens up a phone line for you. Royals lose 5-4. to four. They're now eight games below 500. We'll get back to your thoughts after this. Welcome back to Vern's Post Game Show on your home for Royals baseball in Kansas City, 610 Sports Radio. With Junior runs, Asquintino lifts it to right field, down the line, toward the corner, it's gone! Tie game! Asquintino flips the bat, knocks the score at four. Third, and Riley hops to make the catch. All right, yes, that was Jake Eisenberg on the call of Vinny Pasquantino's game-tying two-run home run in the seventh inning, as called in the press box by Pete Gradoff of the Kansas City Star. And as Dave Holtzman of Bally Sports Kansas City points out, 10 of Vinny's 13 career home runs have either tied the game or given the Royals the lead. Royals fall, though, 5-4, the final score. Scott Barlow takes the loss, giving up the fifth run in the top of the ninth inning. Royals are now 4-12 on the season. Let's go to Isaac in Warsaw. You're on 610 Sports Radio. Isaac, thank you very much for the phone call. How are you? I'm good. Hey, Vern. Uh, My third game this season I went out to, in the first two games, uh, I didn't see a single run. And today... I saw saw four runs, but they give up three, you know, Edward O giving up three on a misplay ground ball. And I look up and down the, the Braves lineup, and all I see is hitter after hitter. And then I look at the Royals lineup, and there's, there's quite a bit of holes. And what I struggle is, is why, you know, I'm, I'm 23 years old. So I've seen – some winners, but I've seen less losers than someone like my father, who's been right. watching the Royals yeah. since he was a boy. Right. And it frustrates me that we can't, you know, field a consistent, at least some type of winner, you know, at least when it's in July, you know, I still got hope that we have a chance for the postseason, you know, a chance. And instead, consistently, we're seeing by May, oh, another rebuilding year. And, you know, I'm told at the beginning of the year that 
this is a building year. You know, we got some young talent and this and that. And it, it just frustrates me that it seems like it, it's like that every year. When can we sign some, you know, free agents, make some trades to where I don't look at a lineup and I see hole after hole? And that's, I mean, it, it's frustrating for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's frustrating for all of us. No, you're making great points, Isaac. I'm with you. Thanks for placing the phone call. Uh, One correction. Yeah, thank you. Uh, One correction. I would say only two of those runs should be charged to Edward Olivares. All right, that leadoff walk in the third inning to the eight hitter, uh, that's on Granke. Um, But as far as your desire to see a better ball club, yeah, we all feel that way. But... I do, like I said in the previous segment, I do believe that it is a completely different organization. Over the past year, it is a different power structure. Now, I'm not saying you need to go along with that and be patient, but to lump 18, 19, 20, and 21 and put that on the resume of J.J. Piccolo or John Sherman, I don't know. To me, to me, that's somewhat unfair. Now, bigger picture, you know, Kansas City as a, as a baseball town, yeah, yeah. No, there's no doubt you deserve more. And it, as far as when are they going to go out and, and make that big free agent splash, the hope is this offseason. The hope is is Bobby Witt Jr. proves over the course of these 162 that he is an everyday shortstop at the highest level, that Drew Waters and Kyle Isbell show that they're locking down two-thirds of the outfield on an everyday basis. Vinny Pasquantino is going to be your everyday first baseman. MJ Melendez is going to be in your lineup every single day. Chris Bubich duplicates what we saw from Brady Singer last year and has his breakout campaign. Jordan Lyles eats up innings, so you feel fairly good about three-fifths of your rotation next year, and you feel fairly good about five of your nine everyday starters in the lineup. If the evaluation season of 2023 returns a handful of affirmatives, you know, Bobby's good to go, Isbell's good to go, Bubich is ready, Daniel Lynch has turned the corner. Well, I think it's a much easier ask if you're J.J. Piccolo when you you know, knock on the, the boss's door and say, hey, uh, I'm going to need a, uh, about $40 million um, just for one year to sign two players. Right? I need to go get another top-end starter. I need to get a big bat in the middle of our lineup. Uh, they're each going to cost about 12 to $15 million per season. And we got to pay an extra year or an extra $5 million because we got to pay the bad team tax because people aren't clamoring to come to Kansas City. So we got to overpay in either cash or years. That's a pretty big ask. 
It didn't happen this offseason. And again, like, like I mentioned, if I'm J.J. Piccolo, I, I wouldn't – I would not have made that knock on the door this past offseason. And it's your first full season as general manager. I don't know if I'm trying to convince the CEO that this team is just a few players away. Because as we've seen over the first 16 games of the season, they're more than just two big free agents away. And that brings us back to why they're treating 2023 as solely an evaluation season. It's hard to digest, but we've got to swallow it regardless. Let's go back to the phone lines. 913-586-7610. That's also the text line number. Get back to the text line in just a moment, but first let's head out to Topeka. Scott, you're next up on 610 Sports Radio as the Royals lose 5-4. to four. Hey, Mark, thank you for your time. Yes, Do you sir. think if Michael Bradley Jr. keeps playing every day, he'll eventually turn into a viable Major League player? Uh, Jackie That's Bradley Jr. Baba Booey. Yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a fan of Howard Stern, too. Uh, but of all shows, this is the one you pick? The post-game show for a team that's 4-12, and 12, this will get Howard's attention? Uh, maybe. I hope so. Uh, that would probably be one of the largest feathers in my cap if, uh, if that gets plucked, that Baba Booey there. I hope it does. Not bothering me. Uh, Cody in Blue Springs, let's see if you got anything for us. Yeah, I just wanted to make a few points. Um, first, it was um, kind of bittersweet seeing uh, Ronald Acuna play, how close the Royals were to signing him. I think the story was that um, he's cousins with Escobar, and the Royals were leading the day of, and then the Braves swooped in and spent a couple hundred thousand more and ended up signing him. And also, Juan Soto was the Royals were number two on his list, so you never know how they would develop with the Royals, but bittersweet either way um but one point i wanted to make i think mj i think they're putting a little too much pressure on him i mean the whole catching outfield i mean the guy should be an outfielder focus on hitting i mean it just seems like the whole rotating catching they're putting too much on the young guy and i just feel like there's a story like they're gonna end up wasting him by not using him right and and I think also hitting him so high in the lineup probably isn't doing any favors. You got to hide him a little bit. Um, other than that, I mean, it's not looking too good. I mean, you kind of wish the Royals would play in the middle. They would just either go for it or not, and then maybe kind of get high in talent to, mm-hmm. if you were going to be the number one or number two. Because it seems like the last couple of years they've been around eight, nine, and ten in the draft, and they haven't really been getting the high-end guys so those are just my opinions but i just hope that they do something with mj because i don't like how the story is unfolding yeah, well said great call cody i'm with you as far as mj melendez is concerned yeah, i've been talking about that since spring training phone lines are open for you 913-586-7610 now whenever you bring it up to mj hey uh, you feel overwhelmed juggling uh corner outfield catching hitting in the top two no no he quickly bites back no no i like it i enjoy it i like staying busy uh, but i agree with everything that you said you know on a championship team mj melendez is probably hitting fifth or sixth at the boomer bust 
the strikeout, the prodigious power, yeah, it's probably hitting five or six. I agree, yeah, all spring training, I wanted him to just give up catching. Now go, go the Mike Sweeney route. Man, you are here for your bat. Let's focus on that bat. The only way, in my opinion, the only way it makes sense to have him continue to moonlight as a catcher is if you're going to trade Salvador Perez. Now, if you trade Salvi this offseason, okay, well then, yeah, it, it makes sense. But if Salvi's a royal for life, I disagree with it wholeheartedly. Disagree with Melendez getting a start once a week behind the dish. Nice call, Cody. Phone lines are open, 913-586-7610. Again, that's 913-586-7610. Hey, quick heads up. As we all know, the NFL draft coming to Kansas City, and on that historic night one, that Thursday night game, the Royals game's going to move over to the FM dial. 610 Sports Radio is going to be everywhere around town to cover that historic night as the NFL world descends on Kansas City. And Royals baseball in crystal clear. FM, Denny and Jake, Ryan and Stu. Thursday night, night one of the NFL draft will be on over uh, on the, again, the FM dial 96.5, Alt 96.5. So following the Church of Laszlo, I'll take over with the On Deck Show, hand it off to Steve Stewart, and then I'll do the postgame show also on Alt 96.5. Again, that is night one of the NFL draft, which is now uh, just about a week and a half away. Let's go to CJ, Southside, Kansas City. CJ, you're on 610 Sports Radio. Go ahead. Var, what's up? They call me, man. Uh off the subject, what well, I wanted to call him for, but I was just listening to uh, you and uh, your other great callers. And, uh, yeah, I want to push up on you guys, man. Uh, I actually think uh, MJ Melendez, uh, I've been liking him a lot better since the last time I talked to you. And I think he's actually uh, did a half-decent job, at least, at catcher today. Yep. But he's just not Salvador Perez, the legend. And... Uh, I would like to, see, you know, and I would like to see. Well, I mean, who like Vern would say, who else do you want back there? Right. We don't have a Gallagher anymore. Uh, and I also wanted to say that I love the way the Royals has been uh, pushing their aggression. They've been playing more aggressive, and I stopped watching that four one. Sorry, I did, wasn't at the game. I I left the TV. I started working on the car and did some other things, uh, and then uh, uh, tuned into the uh, my favorite show. And uh, caught the uh, final score four or five. Man, wow! I'm glad that pitch count. I mean that that run count went up. Yeah. I'm glad the run count went up. I'm glad that we were getting more runs and we pushed up on five four. And last time Vern, I talked to you, I was pretty upset. I uh, just not the process, but just the narrative. And I like to see that we're actually uh, being more aggressive on base count, not just run count. And that's all I like to see what's going on. Boobich, it hurt me, man. My man. boy is uh, not going to be with us for how long, Vern? Let me know what's going on. I'm keeping up, baby. I appreciate it. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Chris Boobich lands on the 15-day IL earlier today with a left forearm strain. 
The Royals won't need to use his spot in the rotation for another nine days. I would think it would be Jonathan Heasley if you're going to go the starter route. Maybe Ryan Yarbrough gets an opportunity. Maybe you go bullpen day, but I would think if you're going to go the classic route, it's Jonathan Heasley. I would not expect Daniel Lynch to be ready in nine days. Well, I can guarantee you Daniel Lynch won't be ready in nine days. As far as the run count is concerned, Royals run differential of minus 28. That's third worst in baseball behind only Oakland and Detroit. And you make a good point, CJ. My, uh, I don't want to say frustration or disagreement, my opinion that MJ should wave goodbye to catching unless you're going to make a move soon with Salvador Perez, whether this year at the deadline or this upcoming offseason. That is not meant, well, it's not meant at least what I've seen so far in 2023 as a knock on his defense. Uh, MJ Melendez has shown improvement this season behind the dish. So credit to him, kid likes to work, the young man likes to work, Um, and that hard work paying off. So in no way do I mean to uh, discredit his improvement and his ability behind the dish, but in my opinion, he'll never be the type of well above average defensive catcher to where it would offset the type of regression That would likely happen offensively if you're catching five out of every seven games. There's just so much that goes into that position. Physically, mentally, emotionally. It's just very difficult to be a 25 to 30 home run, 270, batting average, you know, an OPS in the 800s. It's tough to do that behind the dish. Very tough. Don't let Salvi fool you with what he was able to do over the previous four or five seasons. Now, MJ Melendez has a 10, 12, 15-year career in front of him because of that powerful bat, in my opinion. Royals lose their swept at home again. Swept at home for the second time in as many weeks. They lose today to the Atlanta Braves 5-4, the final score. Want to get to the text line, the Jays Southland Tow Service text line. We'll do that coming up in a moment. Want to say thanks to our sponsor, Rawhide Harley-Davidson, the number one volume Harley dealer in Kansas, supporting us for each and every game here at Kauffman Stadium. So a big thanks to our friends over at Rawhide Harley Davidson. Let's go to Ray in Independence. Ray, you're on 610 Sports Radio. Go ahead. Thank you, Mr. Bernier. Yes, sir. I want to tell you what. I am uh, probably as old as George Brett, and I live in Independence. So I want to see. I want to. I want to see what you think about what my my thoughts are about the last two years of these Royals. All right. My idea is that. They're not major league ball players. They are minor leaguers, with the exception of Salvador. And a few. With others, the exception yeah. of, and I will give our pitcher Zach Grinky 
because he's uh, he's he's been in the league so long. Yeah, he's a future Hall of Famer. Other than sure. that, I'm going to tell you, Mr. Vernier, these children are not major league players. They are minor leaguers. They belong up in Omaha. They're not hitting. They're not pitching. And when they do pitch, they're not doing the they're not doing the right thing. Yeah. So I have to give them a little bit of you know with the new pitching coach and the new coach you know I have to give them a little bit of slack. But you know what? To this day, what I'm seeing, to this day, I'm seeing minor league ball players. Hmm. And if you disagree with me, I I want to hear what you say about that. But I believe what I've seen in the last couple of years, and I'm almost 70 years old, okay? Sure. I have seen what is pretty basically nothing as far as they're not – we are not even in the Atlanta group. We're not in – No. we're not in Houston group. No. You know what? And we got Texas coming in. We will probably not even face up to them. Well, we, because the we, don't hit, we don't hit, we don't, Mr. Burner, we do not hit. They're not hitting. They're minor league guys. These guys are minor leaguers. I'm sorry to tell you this. I'm sorry for this whole community of the Royals. These guys are not major leaguers. Salvi's a major leaguer. Other than that, we have no one that is coming through with hitting, pitching, nothing. It's the same thing I've seen for the last three years, okay? I'm sorry. That's all right. Hey, I'm, sorry. Opinion, I'm sorry, right? Josh. I'm sorry, Mr. Burner. I'm you sorry. Don't need to, you don't need uh, – hey, I appreciate the phone call. But you don't I, need – But I see it. But I've seen it for three years now. It's the yeah, same – it's the same group of players. It's like, it's not oh, why Why do we keep these guys that, you know, you know it's like – my goodness, we've got the number 17, and, you know, he's got a contract. I know he does, but third base, first base, you know what? He still doesn't come through. He should hit 30 home runs a year. Oh my God. He doesn't do it. It's just too, it's just too challenging for these young players to come through and produce because we put them in a bad situation for one thing. Mr. Ray, I appreciate the phone call. Thank you very much. I'm going to open up this phone line for others if they want to jump in, but I uh, greatly appreciate uh, you dialing us up. And, yeah, listen, um, I think you're older than George Brett. But, yeah, listen, you've seen some great baseball come through this town. So I um, am grateful for your opinion. a few things I would disagree with. Well, first of all, I, you know, I don't like calling them children. I understand you're, uh, you've been around, a f- you know, uh, quite a while. So a lot, you know, I'm a child uh, in your eyes, but they are over 18. They're grown men. You know, but I know at times I'll call them kids and I got to stop doing that, but they're certainly not children. Um... Yeah, and and everyone outside of Granky and Salvi's a minor leaguer. That that certainly isn't fair. I don't think you would say that to a Roldis Chapman's face. Um, yeah. I don't want to go through player by player of who is a big leaguer and who isn't, but 
It's a lot more than, than what you're giving them credit for. Now, to go back to my original point uh, earlier in the show and even brought it up yesterday, the Royals don't have very many finished products. They don't have very many ball players that are in that prime of their career. At age 27 to 32, you don't have many. There's no way you're going to convince me that Bobby Wood Jr. isn't a big leaguer. The guy does everything better than 85% of players in the big leagues. I don't care what you want to talk about. He does it as well than 85% of the guys in the big leagues. Now, is he a finished product? Has he been around long enough that his future that his uh, the back of his baseball card is unimpeachable no 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 he's he has what a 180 games under his belt no there's still a long way to go but you know Bobby and I mean Vinny Pasquantino I the guy's got an OPS of, of 925 we all love Salvador Perez whose OPS is below 700 there's a lot of big leaguers on his team that are putting up better numbers offensively right now than Salvi so you got to give credit to Bobby and Vinny and Franmio. Matt Duffy. Matt Duffy got another knock today. What's he hitting this season? Duffy hitting 364. How about it? Not the best day defensively for the third baseman, but picked up another knock. Hey, Ray, nice to hear from you, man. I understand your overall point. I mean, in my opinion, if I, if I was you and I watched those mid to late 70s Royals and I saw the championship Royals of 2015 and I saw the championship Royals of 85, yeah, you, you know what a talented ball club looks like in Royal Blue. You know what threats look like up and down a lineup. You know what a good rotation needs to consist of in a quality bullpen. You've seen it all in your time as a Royals fan. I understand that. So, yeah, if I may speak for you, Ray, you just don't see enough talent right now, enough talent to win consistently, to make this summer exciting, a four and twelve to start the season. Uh, still plenty of time, but boy, they're going to have to get on a heater, and soon. Not not to save the season, but to save the narratives, to save the discussion, to save the morale in town. They're going to have to get on a heater real soon. Beating Jacob Degrom tomorrow would be a real nice start. Yeah, yeah, it's Jacob Degrom tomorrow. Yeah, you're you're bummed out about losing this series. Well, guess what? No rest for the weary. No whining on the yacht. Get ready for tomorrow. Jordan Lyles goes opposite Jacob DeGrom. It's a 641st pitch. I'll be on the air with the On Deck Show live from the Craft and and Draft section of Kauffman Stadium. I'll be out there tomorrow starting at 530. All right, we'll head inside the Royals Clubhouse. I want to get back to your phone calls. The phone lines are open right now. The number is 913-586-7610. That's also the text line. 913-586-7610. 
7610. Quick timeout. We're back with more after this. Welcome back to Vern's Postgame Show. Here's Royals insider Josh Vernier. Royals are swept at home by the Braves. Final score, 5-4. Royals tie it up. Vinny Pasquantino, a one-out, two-run home run in the seventh inning. Knots this bad boy up at four. Uh, but Scott Barlow coughs up the tie game in the ninth inning. Ozzie Albies with a one-out double to the center field wall is followed by an opposite field RBI single from Vaughn Grissom. That's the ball game. Some center cut stuff there from Barlow. Fastball right down the chute to Albies. And a 2-0 slider, middle-middle uh, to Vaughn Grissom. Now, he didn't turn on it, a little late on it, but he shot it up that first baseline into right field, scoring Albies from second and giving Atlanta the sweep. 913-586-7610 is our phone number. My game notes after this 5-4 loss are brought to you by Jay Southland Toe Service. Pasquantino now has an 11-game on-base streak. Kyle Isbell has a five-game hitting streak. And Salvador Perez has hit safely in 12 of his 15 games this season. Let's go to Mike in the Northland. You're on 610 Sports Radio. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, hi, Josh. Enjoy the show. Appreciate the vine. Um, You know, being in my early 50s, I've seen a lot of Royals baseball since I was a fan in the, you know, in the late 70s watching that run. And I've got a few perspectives that maybe a, a few other fans may not bring up. And if you would have told me, you know, Thursday night, is Atlanta better than the Royals? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, is it imperative, fair or unfair, that the Royals have to get off to a great start every April? Yes, they do. And it's unfair. But if you look in their previous history – they're not a fast starting club. I can. How many times do we just joke about them being out of it by the middle of May because they've had just such an abysmal April to start? You know, one and nine at home. This team used to be built for the park they play in, and you don't see a lot of stolen bases and first to thirds and uh, gap. You know, things of that nature to take advantage of the ballpark. And some people on some of the other social media sites are. Well, the wind helped the Braves. Well, the Royals are on the same field with the same wind. Right. So uh, you cannot use weather at all. No. Something that's other that could be fair or unfair is the team that's across the parking lot has reset the standard for a sports team in Kansas City. And the Royals helped with it, that too, right? The, they the did, Royals, go ahead. Sure, the, sure. The, the okay. championship in 15, right? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I understand it works both ways, and I think our soccer team is yes. feeling a little bit of that heat as well. Yes. That when you have one franchise in your city set the standard of winning championships or at least making it to the playoffs, and yes, I know it's different sports and all kinds of different variables and payrolls, and I get all that too. So don't don't come at me with all those arguments, callers. Right. I think it's just unfair that – they have a great spring training, and you can take that for what it's worth. Nothing. And then they come the first two weeks of the season, and they lay an egg. And the one stat that I saw today watching Ryan and Hud, they are last in baseball with average with runners in scoring position. Are they pressing? Do they understand, oh, my God, we're 4-11 and 4-12 and after today, and they really need to – come through with that two-out hit, and they're 
you know, chasing balls up and away and down in the dirt. And you don't see other good teams do that. Uh, and I'm willing to give Q and Brian Sweeney and the new coaching staff a little bit of time to get acclimated to the roster and the city and the ballpark and things of that nature. I think they get more of a pass than, say, like J.J. said earlier, number 17. Some of the other guys that know what to do, they've been in the ballpark, they've been in this city for a while, they know the expectations are high. I'm going to give the coaching staff a little more, you know, benefit of the doubt than I will some of the other players. Really enjoy the show. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for all you guys do, and uh, I'll listen all the rest off the air. Yeah, good call, Mike. Appreciate it. Way to start it off with uh, the uh, the thanks for the vine. I don't know how many, I don't know, did did Jim Rome used to play in this city? You guys remember when Rex Hudler would go on Jim Rome back in the day and just dominate? I remember when I first moved to Kansas City, that's that's why I, I was so excited to meet Hud. Now, listen to those stories on Jim Rome, man. Jim Rome's actually one of the first guys where I went, whoa, sports radio's a real thing. So nice call back to that, Mike. Yeah, the Royals came into today hitting a buck 87 with runners in scoring position. They went one for four, so I guess that number's going to improve. The one hit with a runner in scoring position came from Franmil Reyes. His two-out RBI single in the sixth inning was the Royals' uh, one big knock today. Now, well, Vinny, of course, had a big knock, the game-tying two-run home run. Speaking of Vinny Pasquantino, let's hear what he had to say after a one-for-three afternoon. Vinny also uh, drew a walk, so he's on base twice. His OPS leads the team right now, OPS of 925. Here's Vinny Pasquantino, the audio courtesy of Bally Sports Kansas City. Showing fight was good. Um, We're all disappointed with the result. Felt like we were coming back in that game and let it slip away. This one hurt really, really more because y'all were so close today. Yeah, I mean they're all frustrating, but this one, this one definitely uh, stings a little bit more. You know, you got them on the ropes, got a chance to uh, salvage a series, and we weren't able to do it. And now we get swept. So uh, frustrating loss for sure. But beautiful thing about baseball is we're right back out here tomorrow. It's a matter of home road. I mean, you're one and nine at home, three and three on the road. Does it matter in your mind the difference there being one and nine at home? No. The only difference is uh, we don't like getting booed off the field. Um, not that, you know, sorry, sorry. It got real loud there with Braves fans there at the end. Um, it's disappointing at home, but that's on us. So we, we put a better product together on the field. More people will come in Royal Blue. So get back to the drum board and get back out here tomorrow night against Texas. Do, do things like that really hurt when you see uh, other teams come in and you see a, a lot of their colors too? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, the Braves are known for having a good, good traveling fan base. I mean, it's a really special fan base. And it, to be honest, that's something we think that we can have here in Kansas City. But that's on us. We uh, show the fans that we're worth coming to watch. So for us, I'm going to say it again, but we'll be right back out here tomorrow night. I love Vinny Pasquantino. Man, oh, man. Right? Just he, he, he takes care of his teammates, but he also acknowledges the fans. I I thought that was very well said. Because it is, I mean, if, you, if you're if you a Royals fan and you were at any of these three games, 
And there's a few moments where you're like, hang on, where am I? It's all Braves fans. Yesterday's game, after the two-and-a-half-hour rain delay, the only people that stuck around were Braves fans. I understand why. I'm not knocking Royals fans, just like Vinny said. Hey, we got to put a better product on the field. I don't blame people. I'm not going to cry. Oh, my God, Royals, come out and support us. Come on, Royals fans. No. But I like that he notices. I like that it's frustrating, annoying, bothersome when the Royals are being booed and the visitors being cheered. But I also love the self-awareness that the 25-year-old shows. Vinny's saying, but it's on us. Play better, put a better product on the field. Let's go back to the phones. Royals lose 5-4. to four. They're now eight games below 500. We've only played 16 of these things. Let's go to Todd and Lee Summit. Todd, you're on 610 Sports Radio. Go ahead. Hey, Todd, you got me? All right, Todd. See you later. Yeah, let's stay in Lee Summit. Let's talk with Stan. Stan, how you doing? I mean, I'm doing as good as I can be. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll keep this pretty short. I don't know what we expected going into this season. I, I, I mean, for me as a I, maybe a realist Royals fan, I expected something similar. Last at this, last at that. I mean, Fran Mil Reyes is our DH. But my question for you is. When do we hit the panic button? Is it next year? Is it the end, you know, all-star break next year? When do we concern ourselves with what we're trying to do, our formula, to try and get back to winning baseball? Thanks for taking my call, Josh. That's a good question. When do you hit the panic button? Uh, Well, you know what? Look, if if the organization's going to be so open about this 2023 season, the remaining – 146 games. Eh, yeah, we want to win more. Sure, no doubt we want to win more than we did last year, but it's about evaluating. It's understanding what we have in-house, which, by the way, must happen. Right? If the Royals are going to emulate Tampa and Cleveland, you need to be not just proactive – but you need to be prophetic in your predictions for your own players. You need to know before a pitcher nosedives, before a hitter loses his approach at the dish. You need to know when your asset is going down. You look at what Tampa does, they win those mid-season trades, those early-season trades, the, hey, I'll give you my fourth outfielder for your fourth reliever, and that other team's fourth reliever turns into a stud, turns into Jason Adam. You need to fleece a few teams like Tampa did. Yeah, here, you can have our ace and Chris Archer. We'll just take... Uh, Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass now and that, but Shane Boz guy. So you need to be the best evaluator of your own talent. You, you can't wait and trade Whit Merrifield for Samad Taylor and Max Castillo. Now that's not on this regime. That's not on this front office. But when it comes to 
Bobby Witt and MJ Melendez and Vinny Pasquantino and Daniel Lynch and Chris Bubich and the guys that you're evaluating in 2023, you need to have all your answers at the end of the season. So I would say this offseason is when you can panic. If we get to the end of 162 and Bobby or MJ or Vinny or Isbell or Bubich or Lynch, if it's more no's than yeses, more red lights than green, then I think you can hit a panic button because then, then we're at the beginning of another rebuild. Right, if it's not this group, if it's not Bobby, MJ, Vinny, Brady, Lynch, Bubich, if that isn't the core, we're a long way away. Because you're not going to be, in my opinion, you're not going to be able to go fix your problems with money. Maybe one issue, maybe two can be addressed via free agency, but in this market, In my opinion, you can't flip it in one off season by bringing in pitchers and hitters from the outside. Because A, you're not likely to spend that much, and B, it's not the easiest to win ties, to win recruiting battles for free agents. The way that the Royals win recruiting battles for free agents is by overpaying, giving the free agent an additional year. Paying the bad team tax, as I like to call it. Royals lose 5-4. to four. They're swept at home by the Braves. Let's go back to the phone calls. 913-586-7610. Let's go to Noah, who's over in central Kansas. What's going on, Noah? How are you? Hey, I'm good. Uh, I just I just caught the end of the the comeback that came up short. Um, I'm with you on a lot of your points here, man. Uh, just with, with the whole thing about, you know, we're in Kansas City. We're really smallest market you know so for us yeah. to expect to go out and spend or we're right there with the smallest markets for us to, okay. for us to expect our guys to go out and spend big it's, it's just not realistic and when we last saw them win you know that's not what we did either we made a couple key trades you know that ended up working out for us you know uh but we're not ever going to be big spenders but what i would like to see us do is Let's emulate what the Braves are doing. If you look, they have all their talent locked up. Yeah. Now I know, you know, we don't we don't know. Some of these guys are question marks, but I'd like to see a swing and take a swing and sign Bobby long term, sign him for ten years. You know, because I'm tired of us being a farm system for the rest of the league is really what it comes down to. Um, but I I am encouraged. Uh, you know, our manager. He wasn't a manager for the Rays. You know, this is his first first uh, first try at it here. But, you know, he's from a successful small market type of team that builds through, like you were saying, he, I mean, they build through their farm system and they make key trades and they fleece people at times. And I'm right with you there. That's all we got to do, man. So uh, thanks for taking my call. That's all I got. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, you, you look up and down that rotation, that lineup from a Yandy Diaz to a Randy or Rosarena. Go throughout their rotation. I, okay, yeah, they, they spent money. 
They spend money on Zach Eflin this offseason. It's the highest contract I believe the Rays have ever given. It was like a $30 million, <laughs> two-year $30 million, I believe. See, now I'm in my own head. Uh, two things I want to uh, address. A three-year $40 million deal. Largest free agent deal in Tampa Bay history. <laughs> That's something. And yet they're just a power, a perennial power. Uh, yeah, and as far as spending big, yeah, listen, I, I understand where we are and who we are. And, you know, you, you, you never expect the Royals to spend big. Now, you, I, I will acknowledge that in 15, 16, 17, the Royals were in the top half of Major League Baseball as far as payroll is concerned. Now, if you want to be in the top half of Major League Baseball, you got to get close to $200 million. Now, Royals are past $100 million, but, yeah, overall, your, your point is correct. Yeah, I, I, I don't ever see, listen, I don't ever see the Royals spending big because just look at what they did this previous offseason. You don't pluck from Cleveland and Tampa if you're about to go act like New York and L.A., and as far as what Atlanta did, signing their young talent to long-term deals, sure, yeah, I'm all for it. Now, you mentioned Bobby. Okay, so, yeah, I'd, I'd sign Bobby right now as well. No doubt. I'd got, yeah, 10-year deal, sure. But let's also acknowledge that uh, Bobby came from a much different background than Ozzy Albies or Ronald Acuna Jr. I don't know about Austin Riley. Um, I don't think his dad was a big leaguer, but I, I could be wrong on that. Guy looks like he was created to play baseball, so 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 maybe he was. Um, but unless I'm incorrect, Bobby's had a uh, pretty comfortable come up. Had a comfortable house, security. Dad played in the show. So throwing a hundred million, a hundred and twenty million in front of him, I'm still it's still eye popping. It's still a whopping one hundred and twenty million dollars. But I don't think it knocks his or his father's socks off the same way it would, let's say, Julio Rodriguez. Uh, I believe both of Julio's parents were teachers in the Dominican. I don't know how much they pay teachers, but I, I can't imagine it's enough, let alone enough for a young man to say, ah, I can pass on that. I'll wait for free agency. I'll wait to put up even better numbers, and you got to pay me more. But if I'm Bobby, senior or junior, we can wait. We can wait till you put up a 30-30 season. We can wait till you truly showcase that you are one of the 10, 20 greatest talents on this planet. Then we'll go knocking on J.J. Piccolo's door and say, hey, you want to work out a long-term deal? Now, Brady Singer, Vinny Pasquantino, I think you might have a better option or a better chance at signing one of those two. Certainly Vinny. Uh, to me, Vinny's in a situation a lot like Hunter Dozier to where He's not going to hit free agency until after he turns 30. 
So you kind of have him over a barrel right now. You can give yourself cost certainty. You can give him some insurance in case he blows a knee out in the next handful of months. I think you got a chance at signing Vinny long-term if you're comfortable doing that. And personally, I would be. Because not only does the kid get it not only does the young man get it done at the dish, he's also played a pretty good first base. And he's just a natural mouthpiece for that clubhouse. You heard what he had to say earlier. He's surrounded by a lot of other second-year hitters that are not as confident, comfortable, or salient with their post-game thoughts. I think Vinny just encapsulates everything you want to hear from a leader. Now, maybe not a rah-rah leader, maybe not a Salvador Perez type of leader, but a vocal leader is big as well. And Hosmer served that role, Whit Merrifield served that role. The Hayward 4-12 and 12, and the goofballs in the media are here and they got all their stupid questions. Vinny handles it pretty well, very well. Tremendously well for a guy in his second year in the show. Royals lose 5-4. to four. Let's go back to the phone calls. 913-586-7610. Let's head back to Lee Summit. Let's talk with Todd. You're on the postgame show. Todd, go ahead. Hey there. Um, thank you for uh, having me on. I just had a few comments that I've uh, been since I was a little kid in the 70s. I'm in my 50s. And uh, some of the things that I see from the Royals uh, is lack of discipline on uh, the Counts. They're taking a lot of called third strikes. I would like to know where we stand uh, in comparison to the league with that. It just seems to happen way too much. The ball recognition of being able to see something that's coming over the plate uh, as opposed to swinging a foot off the plate, which they seem to do a lot and take the thing down the middle or close to it. It's just uh, monotony. Um, last year, uh, you know, it was a tale of two cities with the it seems like our offense did well. I know we had Benintendi and Merrifield here, two of my favorites on the team, which we could have kept. I know you guys were making points, comments, things of that nature, and I just wish we could have signed them. Um, it seems like Minnesota and Cleveland don't have issues with that. But speaking directly to the pitching issue we had last year, um, this new crew came in, did some tweaking, made some fixing, and you look at before this series, we were in the top five in the league in the ERA, so it seemed like they had some adjustments made they were going to work for this year. And then the bottom falls out with Atlanta. Uh, again, they're, they're a World Series, you know, caliber team. We know what they've done. Um, you know, so I, I think, you know, you're going to have your ups and downs with the young team. Yeah, they're not as mature to handle it. I think the issues are um, with the ball recognition, location, location. It just seems up and down the lineup that all of them uh, need to uh, defend the plate like they uh, did in the 70s and 80s. They they learned to be good ball, uh, bad ball hitters back then. It was if it was close to the plate, they they were protecting it and, and they knew that knew their role and uh, the situational hitting and, and all that jazz. And then back with the pitching, um, I'm a little old school as well. You know, keep the hot hand in. Uh, Chapman should have closed that game out the other night. He looks like the intimidator factor that needs to be the closer of this team. Like he's got get everything back in, in motion like the Terminator. And I, I would put that robot out there, man, because he's a stud. 
and it just seems like he that you know he would have taken care of that game and that you don't pull him out unless I understand the roles and it just drives me crazy. I know mm-hmm. it's a new era, but mm-hmm. I just uh, wanted to get off here and listen to your comments on those uh, those few points. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, no uh, solid points. Uh, yeah, the the rotations ERA is certainly going to swell after this series. I thought Granky. His final line is certainly not indicative of how well he pitched. Four runs on four hits, only one walk, six strikeouts, and six innings. Edward Olivares makes not even a play, not even a good play, just does one of these three things. Catch the ball, get to the ball, knock down the ball. If he does one of those things, Grinky allows two runs in six innings. Um, you know, Brady Singer battled in the opener. Chris Bubich battled through a flexor strain last night. Um, so I, I guess I'd push back that the bottom fell out. I'm you know, bummed out about Chris Bubich, uh, but I'm still I still feel really good about Grinky, really good about Singer, very good about Brad Keller, and anxious to see how Jordan Lyles performs in his second straight outing against the Texas Rangers lineup. Offensively, I don't have those numbers in front of me. I have a difficult time at times um, with baseball savant and fan graphs. There's just so many statistics. I'll have it for you tomorrow. I'll, I'll do my best, Todd, to have that number of how many strikes they stare at. I think that's what you're looking for. I know their chase rate has been one of the worst in baseball, swinging outside the zone. Staring at strikes, to me, would not be shocking because this young core of hitters, for the most part, I've thought that in the past and, you know, at times this season, they do a good job of hunting their location. Where in the strike zone do you do damage? Identify that zone and stick to that zone. Do not deviate from that area of the strike zone. Be selfish. You can spit on a strike here and there. Now, when you got two strikes, okay, yeah, now that's that's a different story. Now, now you got to be fighting and battling for the team as you're alluding to, Todd. You know, if the chase rate wasn't so high, I, I, I don't think that your point about staring at strikes would be as noticeable or frustrating as it has been for you. Uh, But they're, yeah, uh, swinging outside the zone and then staring at pitches in the zone. Phone lines are open for you, 913-586-7610. That's 913-586-7610. Royals lose 5-4, to four. want to get to the text line, the Jay Southland Tow Service text line. Again, 913-586-7610. Uh, well, one, one more point that Todd brought up about Aroldis Chapman. No doubt he looked fantastic in the eighth inning. He's looked fantastic all season long. And I said this after the game in Texas where Barlow took the loss, where the Royals fell in extra innings. If you want to say that Aroldis Chapman should be the closer, I'm not going to fight you. The only issue I would have is if you said 
Aroldis Chapman's the best reliever we have. I still think Scott Barlow's the best reliever. Scott Barlow's the guy that I want in the high leverage situation in the sixth or in the seventh or in the eighth. I like Barlow in that fireman role. So you want Chapman to be the closer? Fine, I, I can, I'm not going to fight you on that. But I don't want to acknowledge that anybody's better than Barlow. Furthermore, both of them could be traded in the next three and a half months. Now, Chapman almost, I can promise you, will be traded, especially if he keeps this up. But Scott Barlow might actually bring you more in return. He's five years younger than Aroldis. He has another year of team control, right? You trade for Scott Barlow, not only do you have him for the rest of this year, but you have him for next year. No, he doesn't have the postseason track record of Aroldis Chapman, but he also doesn't have the uh, off-the-field incidents or the disagreements with organizations the same way that Chapman has in his past. Bottom line, Royals fans that are excited about this season or Royals fans that are excited about the future, you need to be rooting for Chapman and Barlow to have big first halves. Chapman well on his way. And I'm confident that Scott Barlow will bounce back after two losses in his last three appearances. The reason why I'm so willing to you know, ride or die with Scott Barlow is because of his mentality. His ability to flush it. His easygoing demeanor doesn't take himself or really anything too seriously. Now, takes his work very seriously. Uh, takes performing for his teammates very seriously. Uh, but he's got a very good perspective, big picture perspective. And look at what Scott Barlow's done over the past three years. Track record speaks for itself as well. All right, let's go to the text line, 913-586-7610. Again, that's 913-586-7610. From the 816, Vern Fun Facts, average age of Braves lineup today, 27.1 years old. Average age of Royals lineup today, 27 years old. Vern, this is a talent issue. Signed Stefan. Yeah, yeah, I, I addressed that in the first segment, the the, the talent issue. Um, but that's a pretty skewed stat. I don't... No, no doubt it's a talent issue. Um, but, but that's about where the similarities end. I mean, let, let's take a look. You got a 22-year-old in Bobby, a 24-year-old in MJ, a 25-year-old in Vinny, and in Kyle Isbell. But then you got a, I don't know, what is Dan, what is Matt Duffy, 32? Uh, Salvador Perez is 32. I guess I, I, I guess you kind of feel like Matt Duffy's older than he is. Franmil Reyes feels older than 27. All right, yeah, that is a fun fact. I appreciate it, Stefan, or Stefan. Uh, but bottom line, you're right. Yeah, it, 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 there's, there's no question it's a talent issue. But I'll reiterate the point I've made uh, quite a bit over the past two days. Uh, the, the first six hitters, five or six hitters in the Braves lineup were all in their prime. Who in the Royals lineup would you say is in his prime? 
I'll give you Nikki Lopez. And we can agree that Salvi's in his final or his penultimate season of being in his prime. Bobby, hopefully, is knocking on the door. Same with MJ. Vinny Pasquantino might be about to enter his. Let's go back to the text line. 913-586-7610. From the 913, Vern, we keep talking about this year being the campfire, the evaluation season. What happens if we evaluate these guys at the end of the season and we lose 100 games? How does J.J. go to Sherman and convince him to spend money and make moves this offseason when we quite possibly don't have a solid enough core to even build around the current guys that are supposed to be here for the future? Vern, I can't see how next year really gets much better if we keep on this pace. Where on earth is hope? Well, I'll go back to spring training. And every spring training, if if – if the team's worth a darn, I think there's always three keys in X, Y, and Z. If these three players meet or exceed expectations, the Royals can compete in August and in September. And to me, this season, my X, Y, and Z, um, sadly, none of them are here right now, but my X, Y, and Z were Drew Waters, Nick Prado, and Daniel Lynch. We're about a month away, I would think, a month plus away from seeing Drew Waters. Probably a similar timeline for Daniel Lynch. And I don't know about Nick Prado. But if Daniel Lynch and Chris Bubich pitch well, Drew Waters picks up where he left off in September of last season, I mean, do you really want me to go through all this? I mean, there is reasons for hope. And the main reason for hope is exactly what I talked about with the Atlanta Braves. The reason for hope is that in two years from now, Bobby, MJ, Vinny, Waters, Prado, Lynch, Bubich, Singer, they're all in their prime. That's the reason for hope. Now, hope for 2023, boy, just start praying, man. I don't know what to tell you. Scott in Phoenix writes in, says, Vern, I'm not saying that Barlow and Chapman need their roles reversed, but Barlow needs to pitch better, or we may not even get to 60 wins this season. They're getting, uh, I don't want to jinx it, but come on, they're getting 60 wins. They're getting 60 wins. Uh, from the 515, Edward Olivares needs to go down to AAA. Okay. Um, maybe he will when Drew Waters returns next month. Is there an outfielder down in Omaha that uh, you're clamoring to see in the show? Well, let me know. Text line 913 586 7610. From the 816, Vern, even if this is an evaluation season, the focus needs to be on winning. Do we even have the talent to pass in evaluation? Well, we're going to find out. And listen, I, I, I don't think that the 26 young men inside that clubhouse are focused on anything other than winning. 
I don't think the coaching staff is focused on anything other than winning. When the game's not going on, when the coaching staff and the front office have their little powwows, yeah, yeah, how do we win tonight's game? You know, it's not written on a blackboard and, you know, here's here's how we're going to do it tonight. No, it's probably more about the, the, the future, sure. But inside that dugout during games and the prep leading into games, it's about winning. The focus is on winning. Um, but but we're, when, I, when I say it's an evaluation season, that's more bigger picture stuff. That's the way that it's viewed from the front office. But there's just no way that with the moves this team made this offseason, there's just no way that any of us could have thought that the sole focus of the Kansas City Royals this offseason was uh, not only are we going to win, we're going to win a lot more. And even when you would bring it up to J.J. Piccolo or John Sherman of, of how are you going to judge improvement in 2023, they'd be like, well, you know, wins and losses, of course, but then there's all, you know, we want to see progress from Bobby, from Bubich, from Isbell, from Waters, so on and so forth. I don't believe that winning a division title, grabbing a wild card spot was ever priority number one for this organization this offseason. I don't think they tanked. They certainly didn't tank when you give Jordan Lyle $17 million and you. Well, that's about it, but. No, I, I wouldn't say that they tanked, uh, but, it, but it certainly wasn't. Uh, all right, let's drop it into gear, boys. Let's go out and make sure this team is competitive in August or September. And if that was their focus, well, wow, then uh, my bad. But when last season ended and I sat here saying I need three pitchers. With all due respect to Jordan Lyles, Aroldis Chapman, and Ryan Yarbrough, those weren't the type of names I was thinking. 913-586-7610. 913-586-7610 is our phone number. Let's go back to the text line. From the 816, Vern, do you think the Royals wasted an opportunity to trade Scott Barlow at his peak? Last season, I mean, the guy hasn't had the same results so far this season. Well, yeah, you're right about the results so far in 2023. Um, do I think they wasted an opportunity? Uh, no, I mean... This is the year. This is the trade deadline, in my opinion. Well, you know, what's difficult about it is if you trade Barlow last year, your team could play its heart out for eight innings, right? 21-year-old Bobby Witt and, and, and MJ and, and the rest of those younger hitters play their heart out only to see the closer cough it up at the end. This year at the deadline, you trade both Chapman and Barlow, you know, it's that it's that difficult balance of how important is winning to go back to that last texter. How important is it for these young hitters to see a victorious clubhouse, to see what it takes to win on a consistent basis, to work so hard to get a lead over those eight innings only to watch it slip away because you don't have someone to convert those final three outs? So to answer your question, no, I don't think they wasted an opportunity to trade him at his peak. 
because I don't believe he's fallen from that peak just yet. I understand two of his last three outings would lead you to believe that this may be the beginning of the end of Scott Barlow's peak, uh, but I'm not there. I'm not willing to say that. I think uh, he can be just, well, maybe not just as valuable as he would have been last year because that's an extra year of control, but I think he can still be a very hot commodity this year at the deadline, uh, one of the hottest relieving commodities this trade deadline. That's my opinion. From the 816, Vern, please answer this on air. Cleveland and Minnesota are small market teams just like the Royals. So, Vern, how do they always get talent and win so consistently? That's a good question. Uh, Well, I don't think Minnesota really wins that consistently. As a matter of fact, in the last 10 years, dating back to 2013, the Royals and Twins each have four winning seasons. Now, Cleveland, yeah, okay. Cleveland does it because they develop pitching better than anyone in the sport. Now, this isn't something where I'm going to go down the usual narrative of, oh, the Royals can't develop pitching. Um, Because it's my opinion that 85% of teams in Major League Baseball can't develop pitching. Or, you know, it's just tough to develop pitching, period. That's why they get paid $40 million. At least the good ones get paid $20, $30, $40 million. It's because it's the toughest thing to do in the sport is be a consistently good pitcher. But Cleveland, uh, no one comes close. Uh, Dodgers, Rays, they do a fine job, but but no one comes close to, to Cleveland. So they draft and develop pitching better than anyone else. And if you do that, you're always going to be good. A terrific manager. Uh, Jose Ramirez is a star. Savvy trades, right? Moving Francisco Lindor to the Mets. Um, bringing back a, a new keystone combination. Right? They get a shortstop. They get a second baseman for Francisco Lindor. Don't miss a beat. Don't have to back up the Brinks truck. Again, if if you're going to attempt to emulate the Rays and the Guardians, honestly, Major League Baseball is a general manager's sport now. So the onus is on the front office to win trades, to draft well, to sign the unheralded free agents, to find steals left and right. It's not easy. You know, we, we we marvel at what the Rays have done for a reason because it spits in the face of just common sense. It, it, it doesn't make sense that they, they, their opening day payroll is $77 million. They started off 13-0. and 0. I mean, the Rose are spending more than, what, $35 million more than the Rays? More than half the league is north of... $200 million, and this team with a payroll of $77 million is clearly the best team in the sport? There is a part of me that worries that trying to pluck from the Tampa tree is similar to the NFL teams trying to pluck from the New England tree. I don't know. Well, 
Maybe that's a poor analogy because it's Brady and Belichick. We're not quite sure what it is that Tampa does because they lose front office personnel after front office personnel. Right? You look around Major League Baseball, Andrew Friedman now with the Dodgers. Guys get out of there if they can to go to a big money place where they can spend. Friedman with the Dodgers. Uh, Farhan Sahidi came from the Dodgers, and he's now with the Giants. Now the Red Sox GM, the Blue Jays GM, the manager of the Twins, former manager of the Cubs and the Angels, everyone's trying to figure out what that secret sauce is in Tampa, and yet no one can duplicate it. I hope the Royals can. It'll be a lot of fun if they can. Joey in Grain Valley, appreciate you listening as always. Text here from Dan and KCK, giving some love to Vinny Pasquantino, who extended his on-base streak to 11 straight games today. 913-586-7610, a few more from the text line. From the 918, Vern, I'm still listening to every show. I just got nothing to say. These early games have been hard to watch. Thank you very much for listening. Boy, that is... That means a lot. Got nothing to say, having a tough time grinding through it, but still sticking with your boy. Royals lose 5-4. to four. They're swept at home by the Atlanta Braves. The record falls to 4-12, second-worst mark in all of Major League Baseball. From the 816, Vern, Johnny Cueto has long hair, wears it up while pitching to keep it from blowing in his face while pitching. Scott Barlow's hair was flying in his face today with high winds. I know it was a distraction as I am a former pitcher. All right, there you go. You guys remember Scott Barlow before the long hair, before the facial hair? You guys remember that? What was that, like 2018? Go back and look. It looks like a completely different guy. From the 913, Vern, by the way, I saw MJ Melendez at Power and Light last night. Okay. Good. Good for him. Hope he had a good time. Are we trying to make something out of that? These guys have lives. He's still 24. He he was there today. Showed up on time. They still let him play. It's not like uh, they had to scratch him. 0 for 3 with the walk. Thought he uh, received the ball well behind the dish. And let the guys live. Come on. Big leaguers. You know, that, that, that was an issue with the previous team is it didn't seem like that squad last year was enjoying being in the big leagues. I know losing's tough, but you're still in the show. You're still enjoying these chartered flights. You're still living the dream. You can't forget that. All right, so tomorrow it's going to be Jordan Lyles on the hill for the good guys going up against Jacob deGrom. The two-time Cy Young Award winner. We got to see him again. We just saw him back on Tuesday. He struck out nine Royals across seven innings of two-run baseball. Let's see if the Royals can improve on that. Jordan Lyles, Jacob deGrom tomorrow. Brad Keller, Nate Avaldi coming up on Tuesday night. And then the series with the Rangers wraps up Wednesday afternoon beginning at 1.10 in the afternoon. So again, tomorrow on deck show begins at 5.30. And the first pitch comes your way at 640. The Royals record is now 4-12 and as we wrap the show up. Royals lose 5-4 to to the Atlanta Braves. I want to thank uh, Blake, 
Schneiders for his help back at the studio. Thanks all of you for listening, for texting, and for calling. We'll do it again tomorrow live from Craft and Draft inside Kauffman Stadium. Come out and visit Lowe's Level of the K. You know where Craft and Draft's at. Bring yourself. I'll see you there tomorrow, 530, right here on your home for Royals baseball, 610 Sports Radio. Enjoy the rest of your night, Kansas City. Take care. been listening to Vern's postgame show. Diving is MJ Melendez. Did he make that catch? He did! Check out the All Things Vern channel on 610sports.com and the Odyssey app to stay up to date with your boys in blue. And a swing and a miss. He struck him out with a fastball. Seventh strikeout for Daniel Lynch. On your home of the Royals, 610 Sports Radio. We now take you back to regularly scheduled programming. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.